All right, welcome to episode eight of the Golden Path podcast. You are here with Max and Aaron. We are discussing the Gene Keys, which is a fresh approach to investigating the heart mind, that interior space of all individuals. Um, We've been discussing the meaning of awakening, the meaning of meditation, the meaning of contemplation, this unfolding boundlessness that we feel in our lives that maybe we can't always put a name to. Um, We've been on a journey to date. We've gone through the four outer gene keys of Max's profile, his life work, his evolution, his radiance, his purpose. That's gene key 63, 64, inquiry and imagination. That's gene key 26, which is all about artfulness. And Gene Key 45, 45, which is all about communion, communion. So there's been a lot of themes that, that have been coming up. It's been interesting to connect these themes and these stories over time. These are the themes uniquely imprinted in the, uh, hollow genetic profile, Mr. Max here. I did want to start today on a slightly different note and do some breathing. Okay. Yeah. We've been moving at a rapid pace. We have. Yeah. And that's a nice time to take a little pause, as right. Richard Rudd says. And, and if, you, if you could just join with me here, let's breathe in together. Feels good. Feels good to get in that space. Absolutely. Good way to settle in. Well, listen, this is a new gene key for us. This one is kind of the the backdoor gene key in many ways, right? It's the gene Mm -hmm. key that has the X factor to it. It's the gene key of adventure and boundlessness. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but notice that there's a trend going on here. I mean, last gene key, we were talking about initiative. That's right. Right. We talked about that Abrahamic truth of like going forth. And here we are with the next gene key. And it seems to be the same exact thing. Yeah. All about adventure. So maybe we could break down where we are in the path. I know we were just in the IQ, mm-hmm. which connects to the mental level of development and yep. codes for that unique kind of disposition of that quality of consciousness that codes for your um, intellectual development. Yep. And now we're going even further into your past, back mm-hmm. another seven years, those years when you were an eight-year-old to when you were 14 years old. That's right. When the emotional life comes along. Comes yeah. along. And here we are discussing a new archetype, right? The genetic archetype of Gene Key 35, which mm. is the shadow of hunger. I can't help but notice that hunger is a theme that's been going on here, right? 26 was all about food, the food of the gods. We've talked about mana from heaven. Here we are talking about hunger again. I mean, it even reminds me of the story of the Talmud that we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Does justice exist? Well, God created hunger for, sorry, God created bread for the wealthy and hunger for the poor. Therefore, the world is just. What an incredible Jewish koan, if you will. Um, excuse my play on words. Um, okay, so talk me through. Let's, let's, let's take a break here. The Gene Key 35, break it down. The shadow, the gift, the city. What's it mean to you? Yeah, so as you mentioned, the shadow of hunger. 
the gift of adventure and the city of boundlessness and uh, the shadow of hunger. That's a real, you know, juicy plates there. Let's, you know, let's, let's right. really dig into that. Let's get our fork and knife out and, sure. and, and start uh, eating. And, uh, you know, hunger is this really kind of primal force and urge and energy that's at the heart of, uh, of all of humanity. Right. Like we, you know, not only do we need to eat, but we're always striving. We're always oh, wanting. We're fundamental. Always, Ain't nobody that doesn't understand hunger. That's right. Right. Some of these other jinkies can start to be a little esoteric. This one is right in your face. Absolutely. Right. It's like it's so core. And so I, I love that this is my uh, my EQ. This is really, you know, kind of codes for my emotional frequency and my emotional intelligence mm. because it's um, it's so innate. It's, you know, it's not something to even, that we even need words to describe. It's just a feeling that everybody has and everybody knows. And it's, um, you know, it's something that it doesn't really go away when you satiate your hunger, right. when you, you know, you've satisfied your urges and desires, just wait a moment and it'll come right back. And it right. just continues to escalate. And, you know, for so many of us, it just feels like life is constantly, um, you know, to just get into food and be really positive. Life is just, what's the next meal going to be? We're right. just going from one meal to the other. And that can be a great adventure. And as a real lover of food, I'm certainly the type of person who, you know, I'm finishing lunch and I'm immediately thinking what's for dinner. Right. Right. But that, but that urge, that drive that, you know, that constantly pushing us forward, um, the 35th I Ching and that hexagram codes for progress, right. Which is very much a similar drive and energy that we have for hunger. Um, but it was interesting uh, reading Richard Rudd's contemplations on the 35th shadow right. because he talks about that hunger, that progress as being very much outside of us and like connected to the outer world. Mm. And so he talks about that hunger driving human progress. But when we talk about human progress, when we think about human progress, we look around us at the world at everything that we've created. You know, at this very moment, we're in the midst of this incredible technological revolution. But before right. that, it was the industrial revolution. And there's always seems to be a revolution that we're building more, we're changing more, we're, we have this drive, this hunger right. to continue to progress us forward. Um, but yet the, you know, doing that in the outer world is very much at the shadow frequency. Right. And then you realize eventually when you don't satiate your hunger, when you can detach from that constant urging to eat, 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 right. when you take a moment and you just kind of let it be and recognize that that's an instinctual drive that we all have within us. Right. It doesn't mean we have to give into it at every moment, you know, right. very much being able to uh, satiate and, and, you know, kind of move above the 35th shadow right. is about knowing when you've had enough, when you can stop eating. Right. And, uh, it is at that moment when we realize that the progress, that true human progress is about going inward. Mm. Well, certainly at this point, right? Because I feel like we've gone to a place of so much technological advancement, so much outer evolution that we've, we've, our innards haven't caught up yet and we've come to a moment of reckoning, right? And I, and I think these moments of reckoning have been happening for hundreds of years in the past. There's yep. been many luminaries have pointed out the kind of 
frivolousness of progress without in, inertia coming from the inside and mm -hmm. development and growth coming from the inside as well. So these aren't new ideas, no. but at a cultural level and then at an interconnected global level, I do feel like this is a time of reckoning for us, right? Like there's literally no more further we can go without our progress, without at least acknowledging the insides. That's right. Yeah. And in the last, uh, yesterday, in the last episode, you asked me, um, you know, what is it about this moment? What's happening right now that more people seem to either feel lost or, or realizing that they need to, you know, turn to, you know, nourishing their spiritual side? Why are more people interested or beginning a meditation practice than ever before? Right. And I gave you an answer that was tied to technology, but now having another day to contemplate and think about that. I've kind of, you know, taken it a little further. And so I think there's two other things that come out of it. One, as you mentioned, is this idea that with technology, we're approaching the end here. You know, right. we're, we're getting closer and closer to the singularity, right. to this point when the technology we've created will be able to be uh, self-sufficient and independent enough to do a lot of the creation right. on its own. So then as we're losing control, then you go come back to go, okay, what is it that makes me innately human? What is unique right. about that? And we're coming back to that. And then the other thing is this idea that our human progress has been this incredible procrastination. Right. I'm a great procrastinator. You know, you if there's something that I know I need to do, I'm looking for another project to start so right. we can do that. You know, if I know I need to read a book, I'll read the first page and then I'll immediately go find another book and I'll read that entire book before I come back right. to the one that I'm really supposed to read. And so I feel like very much we we know, as you said, there's there's almost a cycle of us, you know, taking the pause and beginning to travel inward and right. understand, you know, real uh, human progress as, as the inward path. Right. But that if there's something else to do, oh, if we can invent new technologies. Well, let's go do that. Let's go embark on a, you know, multi-hundred year industrial revolution. It's this great procrastination, this great right. distraction from the real work that we have to do, which is going to be our true human evolution, which is about getting realigned with our emotional and spiritual selves right. and growing in that realm. Right. And also learning to reimagine what we do have, right? Mm -hmm. Because hunger is driven by this kind of, this sense of lack. And when you come from a place of gratefulness, gratefulness, then, then even the tiny morsels of food are, are like an, an entire treasure for you to enjoy. Um, and, and, and that attitude, that disposition is, a, is the ultimate reframe. Right. You know, Richard Rudd talks about attitude a lot, but we lose sight of it. I think sometimes when we're doing our contemplations, right, this this hunger gene key is all about a shift in attitude and what is conceived of as limitation in one sense is reconceived of as adventure in another sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love that this gene key is in your EQ because the gene keys is an emotional adventure. Right. It's like you are walking this path. You don't know what's behind the next door. And you're also introspecting. So you're learning about all these things inside of your being. Totally. And as you get into the, you know, the gift of frequency and you begin that path of adventure, which is, as you mentioned, it's an it's an inward path. It's doing the real work. It's doing the surrendering and the shedding to go inward and discover your true genius. That's the adventure that he talks about, not necessarily the adventures out in the world, though those can very much be a vehicle and a right. path for doing right. the inward adventuring as well. But when you, when you get right down to it, it's about love. Mm. It's all about love. And he says right. love is the only force that can bring an end to hunger. Right. And so that I, I feel very resonant and aligned that here my EQ is ultimately all about love. Mm.
Interesting. And love is the ultimate wild card, right? Because you play that card and mm-hmm. anything can happen, right? Another, the, the, the subheading of this chapter is wormholes and miracles. That's right. right? He, he yeah. describes it as the ultimate backdoor, right? You play that card of unconditional love and magic happens, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like the last 500 years, going back all the way probably to the Greeks and in, in, in ancient cultures, has been about the disenchantment of reality, right? Mm. Meaning we've seen the value spheres kind of fall apart from each other. And now we're in this age of re-enchanting and reimagining our relationship to nature and to ourselves and to the spiritual dimension, right? It's the spiritual dimension is so interesting because it's the opposite of boring. It's like, it's like you open up, you know, we use the can of worms metaphor, right? You just see this entirely new take on what reality is or what, what your reality is. And I think it's the opposite of boring, right? In, in, in some respects, the shadow of hunger is boredom, right? I think it's one of the reactive natures. Right. Um, I, I like this. I like contemplating this gene key a lot because it, it, I don't know. There's stillness here and there's adventure at the same time. And I, I like a good adventure. So Yeah, me too. And, and when you think about adventure, you know, particularly going out into the world, I just wrapped up this incredible adventure, you know, exploring the slot canyons in southern Utah. And it's all about, you know, adventure is about going to new places, discovering new things. This right. is, you know, I'd long dreamed of being inside of a slot canyon. I'd never been there before. I fully indulged in that adventure. I went inside many different slot canyons. I right. felt the places I smelled the places um, but again it's about going and discovering new terrain you're not you know there's a way to go on an adventure in the familiar but you have to find the unfamiliar within that right. but the real way that we do adventure is go go to a new continent you know go to a new a new country go discover a new culture go to a place you've never been before an experience you've never had before and as you said, the spiritual domain is ripe with that. It is filled with this wonderful jungle of adventure. It's all sorts of unknown and unfamiliar and yet ultimately purely familiar, right? right. Because it's the inward journey. You're right. getting to know yourself better. Well, this line of, of inquiry between the IQ and the EQ is called the pathway of intelligence, mm-hmm. right? And the IQ is coded by the planet Venus. Right. right, which is all about your intellectual development, not necessarily what most people would equate with the planet of Venus. Right, Venus has this feminine quality to it, this this emotional life to it. But in the Gene Keys, it's actually the planet Venus that codes for your IQ, and separately, your EQ is coded by the planet Mars, right. which again we t- typically associate with these hypermasculine qualities like war and adventure and all these mm-hmm. things. But no, in, in the Gene Keys, Mars codes for the emotional realm. And this, this line, this pathway between the IQ and the EQ, right? The, the pathway of intelligence is all about finding that balance between your head and the heart. Mm. I feel like if there's one thing in the gene keys that you could just point it and be like, this is what the gene keys is about. It's about that relationship between the head and the heart and finding deep inner harmony and integration in, amongst those spheres, right? Absolutely. And two things that are so integrally, integrate, I don't even know how to integrally. put that word. Integrally connected right you know i've only recently learned about the vagal nerve which is literally the nerve that connects your heart and your mind and i feel like in this culture we've separated these two things you know the heart has become 
just this incredible organ that just right. pumps blood through your body, but it is not this incredible heart mind right. of its own. And it doesn't, you know, we've severed the connection between our heads and our hearts. Right. And that just, they've never actually been severed. They've always been, you know, intimately intertwined. There's a famous Jewish prayer practice connected mm-hmm. to praying about the, the marriage of the head and the heart. Do you yeah. know what it's called? I do not. It's called tefillin. Ah, well, then I do know. You it. do know. But but we've lost touch with that prayer, right? That's it, right. It, it's yeah. such an esoteric prayer. Like if anybody's ever been in Central Park and had a Jew walk up to them with a box <laughs> and some strings and they're like wrapping the strings around their arm. Yeah. Or, the, or my father, who often runs in Central Park, has literally been chased by these guys <laughs> looking to do... Uh, you know, a mitzvah and, right. uh, and do the, the tefillin prayer with him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I was trying to imagine like, what's the difference between 51 and 35, mm-hmm. right? Because there's some really similar qualities, right? 51 is all about initiative and 35 is all about adventure. Like both of those make me think of that Abrahamic ideal of, of going forth and like taking off on, on your personal kind of, uh, evolution or story or, or, or destiny. Yeah. Um, but, but there are some qualities that are really quite different, right? 51, mm-hmm. like the metaphor that I think of is that rock in your shoe when you're walking around or you're on a hike. There's right, this that, like really annoying, agitated that thing agitation, yeah. in your shoe. Mm-hmm. Whereas 35 is really more about this hole or this emptiness in your soul and, yes. and the way that you deal with that emptiness, right? Like a lot of people eat because they're feeling empty. Right. Right. And, and adventure is all about filling up that emptiness with love. And when you start from that place of unconditional love with any or all of your actions, that's when you actually kind of embark on this magical adventure. Mm-hmm. How did those sit with you? The IQ versus the EQ, this idea of the heart mind, right? Which is central to the I Ching. Yeah. This idea that there's a mind or there's a heart that has awareness within it, right? Which is kind of this really cool metaphor. It's something that's come up a few times in our, in our discussions. What do you think about this balance between the head and the heart, the IQ and, and the EQ? Well, it's just something I'm just beginning to bring back together. They've, they've, I feel like they've been severed in myself and, and in our culture. Um, and uh, as I'm bringing them together, it's really more about the reconnection with the heart. There's all sorts mm. of, you know, m- you know, hokey-ish metaphors that we invoke about the heart and we give it all this power and, you know, it's the place of love. And then science was just like... No, it's just pumping the blood through your body. But right. the, all those metaphors are real. They're they're right. they're saying they're uh, you know communicating incredible truths. The fact right. that the heart has been associated with love, right. there's there's a really good reason for that. Right. It's because that truly is the place where we emanate love from. And this idea that you know the mind is really good with logic and reason. And when you start to deal with the you know the infinite uh, space of unconditional love, right. it's, a, it's not exactly the domain of the mind. You know, right. it can kind of conceptually understand it. But if you're trying to think about it, if you're using a logical way, you're, you just right. have to let go and feel it and right. experience it. And that's where the heart guides us, right? right? Open your heart, follow your heart. You know, these sound hokey, like the type of thing you would see on a Hallmark gift card, right. but they're incredible truths and and right. you know it's a real power to your heart that you need to surrender to interesting interesting and and um what's the proper relationship between the head and the heart right this is a fundamental question of the gene keys right like uh when you get into gene key one 
and Jinki Jin too, mm-hmm. which represent these fundamental po- polarities of the universe, yin and yang. Yeah. Right. Uh, Richard Rudd says, well, listen, there's evidence to support. And certainly the way that I um, deconstruct and understand the meaning of the I Ching is that the yang, which is the masculine energy that we've prioritized prioritized and is the number one is actually subjugated to the gene key two meaning mm. gene key two that yin that feminine energy is often elevated in these esoteric traditions that the divine feminine right and the mask the masculine energy or the logical energy is here to serve the feminine energy mm. it's here to serve the divine feminine i wonder if the iq and eq hold a similar relationship with each other i'm not sure if that's the case but that's an interesting thing to contemplate well, I think so. And, and as you know, you mentioned that the IQ is coded for Venus, which, you know, might seem counterintuitive, but this idea of you need to be whole, right? So it's, you know, the, the divine masculine needs the divine feminine to make sure that it's in balance and the right. connection between the EQ and the IQ, which, you know, they call the pathway of intelligence. It's all about creating the balance between the mind and your emotions, you know, right. between your head and your heart. Interesting. So, so 35 line six is your exact um, frequency here mm-hmm. in the EQ. 35 we've touched on, but line six, what does that mean here in the, in the EQ um, position? Yeah, so he, he codes it as reverence on kind of the, the gift frequency and at the shadow frequency, it's alienation. Mm. Um, and he says, you know, with line six, you can see the farthest, right. but you also have the farthest to fall. Mm. Um, so there's this idea of you, you know, kind of being, I mean, again, going back to me being line six shows up kind of throughout my uh, hologenetic profile. Right. And, you know, the idea of the, the late bloomer, you know, maybe in the back of the pack kind of, you know, surveying everything out in front of me. Right. Um, but then also that there's this moment of alienation, you know, and he, he says that about, about the age of seven, you begin to get cut off from your feelings, mm. um, which kind of codes to the sphere of the EQ being... Right this period of your life from ages, you know, seven to 14. So at the beginning there, you're, you're actually, you know, detaching from the oneness and your sense of yourself as a part of the whole. Right. And you're beginning to actually get cut off from your feelings, which, you know, I, I, I think does feel right to me, but that eventually, you know, it can take a long time because we do have a long way to fall. Right. But that we do remember and that you have to forget in order to remember right and then that when we do remember we realign with that reverence that you know tremendous deep compassion and respect for everyone everything you know for the whole right um interesting i see how 51.1 or line one which is your iq there's this this big arc this huge emotional arc from 51.1 to 35.6 yeah right it's almost like it's it's forming a boundary condition for this this journey that you go on um, individually. Yeah, and, and in many ways, the journey that I've been on, right? Because right. right now, I feel like I'm someone who has an incredibly open heart. I'm trying to cultivate graciousness and unconditional love and, and uh, share that and mm. exude that out with the world. Right. And yet, I'm also 51.1. I was also not that long ago the person who was so cut off from my emotional reality right, and right. my feelings and wasn't interested in, you know, being that way. You know, my my first heartbreak, my response was, that's it. Never going to expose myself, allow myself to be that vulnerable again. Right. My last heartbreak, which was, you know, very much kind of drove me down to be my rock bottom to come back to the place we are now. My response to that was, yes. 
I need to, that, that sucked. I need to be even more open next right. time. Right. I need to, I need to respond with an open heart. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Richard Rudd, uh, describes gene key 35 and he makes an interesting parallel. He says it's the gene key most like gene key 22. Mm. For those of you who are new to the gene keys, there are two gene keys that are kind of the most pertinent, the most powerful transmission transmissions of this era. Right. And they are gene key 55, mm -hmm. which is about freedom and gene key 22, which is about grace. Mm -hmm. And in describing the emotional journey of the Venus sequence, Richard Rudd makes it very clear that it's gene key 22 that most inspired him and most codes for the overall meaning of the, the Venus sequence, right? Of peeling back those layers and finding that unconditional, unconditional bubbling love beneath the surface. Yeah. So I, I think it's a really juicy metaphor. And I think you're lucky to have Gene Key 35 in this position. It's a great story for, for us to tell as we kind of deconstruct the meaning of these Gene Keys. Absolutely. And just feels very aligned with my EQ. Right. You know, reading the different Gene Keys, I've you know, of course, they, they do feel like they resonate with me very personally, but, you know, some of them have a different flavor and characteristic to them. So, you know, 63 doesn't exactly feel all that emotional. So, I'd, you know, that would be more challenging if that was the space of my EQ. I can't really think of a better one to have, you know, as my EQ than 35, because right. ultimately it's all about love as the cure and love as the way. Right. What's the difference between intellectual awakening Mm -hmm. an emotional adventure. These, these are the two gene keys coding for your pathway of intelligence, right? Yeah. And, and we talked about, you know, your awakenings that you've had on your journey and how mm -hmm. you wanted to describe the texture of those awakenings. Sure. How does that compare to the juiciness of the, of the gene key 35, the gene key of adventure? Right. Well, I mean, the, the intellectual awakenings can kind of be learned through studying and examining the world and putting on your, you know, lab coat and, you know, using the, the ways of science to understand the world better and be able to explain and articulate what's going on. And through that, make right. sense of it, you know, and, and get that true understanding. But, you know, getting uh, emotional intelligence can only come through experience. It can only mm. come through relationships, right. through actually leading with an open heart right. and seeing what happens. You can't just read about it in a book. You know, right. if, when I, if, when you read the gene keys, if you don't have, if you haven't had, have had those different emotional experiences and felt these feelings, right. you're not exactly going to understand and know what's going on. And it's right. not something to necessarily be articulated and, you know, shared in it through with our mm. words. It's shared through our actions and right. through our essence and our being. You're giving me a really nice image here. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I can untangle this Please. idea. Yeah. Right. Um, Gene key 35 is all about hunger, mm -hmm. right? And hunger is a, is a metaphor for, for that which we want and need right. and lack in yes. our life. Um, you know, we talked about the hungry artist, for example, mm -hmm. an episode or two, or two ago. Yeah. Um, and this idea that as we're moving through life, we're being pulled, right? Because boundlessness is this energy that pulls you. We're being pulled towards a greater dimensional capability or embodiment. And our hunger is a clue for us to tune into, to find out where we are lacking in our being and to fill that space with love as best we can, right? Mm -hmm. Which is 
allowing, accepting, embracing those three kind of, you know, uh, key uh, activities that the gene key prescribes. Yeah. Um, You know, Richard Rudd talks about the cycles of being empty and then being full. Right. Mm-hmm. When you eat food, you you fill up yourself with food. You're right. full. You're full. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm full. And then a little while later, you start to get hungry again. That's and right. You're, and you go back to being empty, and then you cycle back to being full. And we go back. It's a it's a yo-yo effect. We go back from cycles of being empty to cycles of being full. This also applies to our emotional life and our relationships. Right. Right. We meet people. They fill us up. And then we get sick of them and we blame them, hmm. right? And we're, we're typically projecting our blame onto other people in those areas where we feel emotionally vacant or where we feel emotionally empty. Right. So it's not until we learn how to love ourselves from the inside out, mm-hmm. right? Which is something we should kind of break down on its own accord. Yeah. Well, that's the adventure. Right. That's the adventure. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there's, there's a real lesson here for everyone within Gene Key 35, because mm-hmm. it's so about that emotional story that we go on um, in, any, in anybody's life story. Right. Um, and, you know, hunger is, is, it's so simple. It's so basic. We all get it. It's yes. fundamental to the human condition. And that applies equally to the literal hunger, hunger and the uh, metaphorical hunger, right. right? We all feel like we're lacking something in life or there's, you know, there's a better life that we could be living somehow. That's how, right. And how do we get there? Right. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's a shortcut. That's right. The 35th gene key. Unconditional love. I mean, it's easy to say it's hard to do. How do we get inside of this gene key? How do we contemplate its meaning? It's, it's purpose. It's, it's, it's breakthrough for us. Talk, talk me through it a little bit more. Well, it's hard to explain. I mean, I kind of was just, you know, trying to yeah, articulate the ways in which the heart is difficult to articulate. Um, and that's very much kind of the catch of the 35th gene key. On the one hand, it is so simple. There is a shortcut. It's unconditional love. Right. But how exactly you cultivate that, I'm not completely sure. Right. But it definitely begins with being able to recognize your hunger right. and the fact that it is a drive that is ever present going to be there. Right. And that for the most part, we're always answering to that call. Right. We're always letting that drive the decisions, the actions, everything we do in the world is in a sense, trying to cure our hunger, right. albeit temporarily. Right. And when you realize that that's somewhat of a Sisyphean task, you're, you know, just when you do it, yep, the boulder rolls back down the hill. You got to do it again. Right. And recognize that we're kind of captive to that cycle. You know, there's a little bit of a detachment in that. Mm-hmm. And understanding that, well, you're just going to be hungry just about all of the time. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's okay. That's right. kind of what we're used to. Well, a part of me wants to subscribe to the ideal of, of we should eradicate all the hunger. <laughs> right. Right. On this earth plane. Yeah. I mean, that would be nice. But right. well, we, who wouldn't say yes to that as an idea? Certainly the hunger that is killing people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also there's this idea that, you know, we need to eradicate darkness on this earth plane, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, like, you know, all, all the light comes from darkness and we have this image of the light being good and the darkness being bad. Right. Right. But one of the things that Richard Rudd gets into in his audio contemplation, yeah. right? He touches upon this idea that you need a little bit of the darkness. 
Right. You need a little bit of the hunger. Yeah. If we if we merely go to the place of eradicating all darkness, eradicating all hunger, we're missing the fact that they're they're part of each other. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that ultimate yin and yang, or the the tai chi symbol. I think he he mentions right. We have to have some darkness there in order to have light without those two there's no contrast and they don't exist without each other Mm. the same is true from the sense of satiation right of not complacency in a negative way but being um being fully grateful for that which you have uh, and that which fills you up right right so from the metaphor of hunger right like it's good to put down that spoon when you have a little bit of hunger left in your be- belly. Yeah, I think that right? the Japanese talk about eating until you're 80% full. Interesting. Okay, I've, I haven't heard this one by love. And the same goes for drinking, right? Like, um, you know, he mentions a Hungarian philosopher who says you should drink to that edge of just when you're starting to get intoxicated and dance on that edge, right? right. I feel like that's kind of one of those lessons we hear time and, and time again in the tantric world, mm. right? This idea of using energy productively right because when we get too into the tantric world it's a betty ford clinic on the other side right? that's when <laughs> yeah. we become addicted to the, the the spices of the of the universe so to speak mm-hmm. um whereas when we play with them and when we, when we use just enough like a tablespoon you know a teaspoon of sugar like um that there's that ultimately it's about balance right and using the energies of the earth to, to be playful in your engagement mm. Um, boundlessness, the citic frequency of your EQ, gene key 35. We've touched upon it, but, but break down for me what he means by boundlessness. What, what is this energy of boundlessness? It doesn't, it's not a word that, you know, you would necessarily expect to see, right? It's not a, a word we throw around in our vocabulary a lot. Like we overuse the word love. We almost never use the word boundlessness, um, in day-to-day communications. What do you think? What was he getting at by, by invoking this particular word as the Siddic frequency of Jinky 35? I think it's the pure kind of, you know, infinite, unconditional love. I mean, he says boundlessness is consciousness. Mm. And then he says something like, it's about that simple. Right. You know? That's kind of all there is to it. But, you know, it's true consciousness where the observer has, you know, become completely enmeshed in the oneness you know there is no longer is the distinction between the self and the other it just is consciousness and it's Mm. kind of that level of boundlessness and one thing i liked in his contemplation especially after reading awakening which was filled with this is not awakening awakening isn't this you're not actually going to achieve awakening you can't unlock any of the cidic states until you achieve awakening which was uh, very humbling and made me feel kind of small right with boundlessness he says that if you can uh, entertain boundlessness in your daily life, not necessarily become boundlessness, but just entertain that idea right. that then you're automatically drawing yourself towards the higher frequencies. And so that's an invitation that we can all accept. Mm. You know, we can all try to evoke and invoke this idea of pure consciousness or total unconditional love and it's something that we can certainly aspire to exude and and emulate i mean there's no reason why we all can't lead 
with a truly open heart. Right. Um, it's not easy, right. but it is doable, right? And that's the wormhole. That's the shortcut right. within the 35th Gene Key. He talks about how this is the only way, only time when you can consciously program your own DNA. Mm. You, you can actually gain some control here right. by just deciding, I'm going to lead with love. Right. It's the ultimate curveball mm-hmm. in that way. Um, the movie metaphor that came up for me as yeah. I was rereading this Gene Key was Life is Beautiful. Mm. Have you seen this movie before? I have not seen the movie. All I know is when the director wins the Academy Award and he climbs over the seats. <laughs> so the story of Life is Beautiful is the story of a man alive during World War II who has a young son. And he doesn't want to tell his young son about the horrors that are happening to them. And instead makes up this idea, this fantastical version of, mm-hmm. of a fairy tale about what's happening to them and keeps this fairy tale alive to protect his son from understanding the horrors of, of Nazi era Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an unbelievably, it's an unbelievable human story. It's it, you know, it, it sounds like you're like avoiding reality or something like that. It's not, yeah. it's like pure love and purely reframing every moment of life as an adventure, right. as opposed to dwelling in the, 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 suffering of it all right and you know world war ii and nazi germany is just a heightened example of essentially what's going on at all times right Right. there is tremendous suffering in the world and we can let that bog us down and get absorbed by that but there is also tremendous beauty in the world right and sometimes we forget that and it's kind of up to us which ones that we want to attune ourselves to. Right. But I think the greatest invitation is what can we attune others to? Mm. What can we share with others? And so when we're so absorbed with the suffering of the world, we then are bogging everyone else down with that, which at times, you know, there's a lesson in there and maybe that's useful. But I think the the far more greater way, the way to elevate humanity is by always evoking and inviting people to indulge in the beauty that's happening at all times. Okay. Okay. I want to go, I want to rewind. I want that like rewind sound to go in right now. I want to go. Let's take it back. All the way back to your life's work. Okay. Gene Key 63. Yeah. The path of inquiry, Mm -hmm. right? Truth with capital T. Yeah. I'm going to read out loud to you your profile, your hologenic profile. Okay. And then I want to reframe this discussion about your pathway of intelligence, your yeah. EQ and your IQ, in light of understanding this role that your sun and energy plays, right? All right, Your yeah. life's work, okay, Let's so here's it. what it says. Your life's work is what you're here to do, right? Gene Key 63. You are one of the world's great questioners. Everything for you begins with a question, and you must carve the path of your life out of these questions. You need only remember one thing. The questions are not for you, but for others. If you think that you will find a sense of peace from finding an answer, you will live a life of anxiety because another question will always be there. The questions are there so that you can find an answer for someone else. Every book you read or every system or technique you learn or study is really so that you can be of service to others. It is through service that you will ultimately find the sense of fulfillment you are seeking. You have a great and powerful logical mind. It will either drive you mad or make you prosperous. 
you must make certain that you have a continual and healthy outlook for this gift. Otherwise, it is likely to wreak havoc in your personal life. In light of this revisitation of your life's work, Mm -hmm. I want you to frame a question for us to contemplate. Not just me, not just you, but the the listeners, right? Right. This this is going to... Uh, this is going to be out there for a while. And yeah. m- many people are going to listen to this at a different time and place in, mm-hmm. in history. Help frame a question as it relates to the IQ and the EQ, that, that pathway of intelligence. Yeah. Well, it would be a question would be, be along the lines of how do we uh, invite in or create a better world? Um, or maybe, you know, a, a derivation of that question would be, how do we amplify the love that exists within our world? Okay. Interesting. And why did you choose this question? Well, I think that's kind of the, in the, in the, the hunger that we all have is driving us towards a better way right. and a better world. And, um, you know, that's the communal space that we all share. So I wanted it to be something that, uh, was for all of us was for, the totality of humanity okay. and it had to be a how question because that's kind of both the head and the heart right you know the how the scientific mechanics right. of it right the engineering of it but right. also the how are you doing how do you feel the being of it right mm. so much of what i've learned thus far from the gene keys is that how you do is maybe the most important thing. It doesn't really matter what you do. Right. It's about how you do. Right. Okay. All right. Let's pull back the layers here of this line of questioning, right? Yeah. The life work sometimes forces us into this mentality of outside, like doing work out in the world. Right. Right. But the, this, this IQ, this EQ is the inner work. Yeah. Right? So if I came to you as a small child and I said, Max, this is so cool what you're doing. You're contemplating the gene keys. How the freak do I contemplate the jinkies? How does it work for me to open my heart? How do I do it? Love. Okay. Yeah. What is love? Love is the recognition of the oneness, that we are all the same and that we are all worthy and that we are all unique and special and incredible. Um, you know, as we get into some of the shadow frequencies, I think about the person who's, you know, the, the most uh, narcissistic, egotistical person in the world, the person who thinks so highly of themselves and that the truth is as highly of, that, of themselves as that person thinks is how great all of us are is even greater than that. Right, right. Okay, interesting. And the IQ and the EQ, this kind of fulcrum between the head and the heart, um, where is that back door, right? Because Gene Key 35 is all about that, that hidden back door. Mm-hmm. How do I access that hidden back door in my daily life as part of a daily practice? I mean, it's easy to say it's just love, right? right? But it, we say it so much, it almost becomes a platitude. Sure. How do we access it? What's the entry point into loving from a practical standpoint? These are the big questions here, well, yeah. Well, it could be our breath, for example, right? It could be our attunement to the moment, right? right? Because we don't have to go beyond ourselves, yeah. right? That answer, no, these com- answers. Well, and, and, the, and the question that I asked, the, the hidden answer, which that, 
you know, it's not about building this world outside of ourselves. It's right. about it's how we all carry and how we the energy that we all exude and invite other people into and that we give away and share with them that it, you know it really does start within and, and and the way to a better world is a way to is the path of adventure for all of us to go inward mm -hmm. and you know find our true genius and right. find the the easiest path for us unlocking that unconditional love right. um, it's about giving it away right yeah, no, it's interesting, right? Because I feel like these dilemmas that that uh, have to do with these gene keys, mm -hmm. this idea of lack yeah. in the world, it's so right. fundamental. It's right. so, I mean, there are literally people starving right now. There, yeah. are, there are children that don't have food in their bellies right now. Right. And yet we have the most technology progressive like instruments available to us to solve these core problems it's, 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 it's not rocket science no it's mind-blowing in two ways it's incredible that we now can legitimately feed everybody and it's mind-blowing that we've created a system that pretty much won't allow us to do it right that we're that we're throwing away and that we're food. beholden by our <laughs> own you know system yeah right that we throw away food i mean i just read the grapes of wrath right you know you have these you know during the depression you had these families looking for work just every day trying to find a meal and um you know they're paying the pickers of the food you know people just want to pick the fruit and they're paying them as little as possible right and uh, they would ultimately you know light the food on fire or bury it in the ground rather than give it away for free because then people wouldn't have the urge to work for so little right right it's incredible it's incredible um i think gene key 35 no sorry gene key uh, your iq gene key 51, 51 also codes for this idea of business, mm -hmm. right? That, that businesses are going to be responsible for not just feeding you, but feeding families and feeding the community. Yeah. I feel like we've lost touch with that idea quite a bit, right? We, we now blame the corporation as being the kind of root of all evil. Mm. Whereas, you know, not so long ago, the corporate town, the, com the business, right. fed the whole ecosystem of the community, of the township. It did, right? yes. And I feel like we have to recapture that spirit of entrepreneurialism and we have to recapture that spirit of ingenuity in mm -hmm. order to figure out how we can launch organizations, which are organisms, totally. right, that have a successful mechanism and a successful balance for for feeding the hungry and putting people to work in the way that, that optimizes their gifts and their ability to, ability to share in a constructive way fashion with each other right and that there are these incredible apparatuses for serving others i mean it's funny you evoke the idea of the corporate town which sure was amazing it brought food and jobs for everybody but it also owned all of the stores and so it became right. it was so easy for them to become greedy and one of the big things about the corporate town is that you go to the general store and yes you've now you know you have the jobs you have the money to buy all the things that you need but it's all overpriced and in that increasing the margin they're now taking back a portion of the paycheck that they just gave you mm. and this idea that you know the the corporate organism also has many of the because it is made of people has many of the same shadow frequencies that we all have and it gets a little ego obsessed and it gets a little driven by its own hunger mm. and it needs to feed itself too much right, right. and then there's you know the, the idea of when you give a dog steak you know the dog will be happy eating just about anything right but once you give it steak 
now it wants more steak. Right. And we get a little addicted to our own, you know, profits. And it's not, you know, just enough to have made whatever we made in the last quarter. Now we got to make a little bit more, right? And that's kind of, you know, pervades uh, the business world a little bit. This idea of needing more and more instead of going, profit's amazing because that's the excess that we can give away, that we can give back. Right. There's not enough of that. I want to do something anathema and talk about racial politics. Okay. It's timely. Uh, it's not something I love to engage with because these are such wedge issues that, that divide people in many, is, yeah. many respects. Mm-hmm. But there's a particular argument out there in the, the Twitter verse okay. that I want to bring up. Please. It's this distinction between black lives matter yeah. and all lives matter. Yeah. Right. And the metaphor that's offered by the black lives matter advocate, that, that community mm-hmm. is that our house is on fire. Right. So it's, it's stupid of you to invoke this idea of all lives matter when our houses are on fire. Right. Right. Help me break down the meaning of black lives matter versus all lives matter. Like what is this debate really about? Are these shadow frequency debates or are these enlightened debates? What, what is your take on, on the meaning of a particular demographic or community really suffering in the moment? And how do we as human beings, universal human beings, address these urgent needs in our community? Yeah, well, I think there are shadow frequency debates. Um, and it's the, the, the answer is in selflessness, right? Because you said it's, my house is on fire. And other people go, I got houses too. My house is on fire. This isn't about you right now. I need help. I need love. I need support. I need the help of others to be whole right now because I can't do this alone. Okay. And I mean, I'm not a big fan of the idea of all lives matters in the way that it's become politicized. Yes, I'm, I, I totally believe that all lives matter, right. but not as the response to Black Lives Matter. Well, let me ask you this, because my criticism of, of these this line of thinking is mm-hmm. identity politics in general is a problem. Yeah, it is. Right? And when we exclusively identify with one racial demographic or ethno-demographic, mm-hmm. um, we, we're creating a sense of division in the world. That's right? what we've done, yes. Right. Um, the answer isn't necessarily more division. Right? Certainly like not. The human heart moves from being closed to being open. Yes. And the individual moves from being just their self or selfish to being um, universal, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, morality can be understood as an unfolding of your, your sense of self. Yeah. Um, why is it wrong to invoke a universal ethos or ethic in addressing urgent uh, areas of need today? I don't think it's anything wrong in evoking it, but it's um, it's not about what you say. It's about what you do. And it's not something that we're practicing right now. You know, these might be the the values that we hold in esteem. You know, all men are created equal. Great. I'm really glad we said that and we can agree about that. Right. But we need to act as if that is the truth. And actions speak louder than words. And what's happening right now is the actions are not demonstrating that all men are created equal. Right. But how does invoking identity politics solve that in any way? Because that's the question I'm, I'm putting towards you. Sure. How well, do- I, don't, I don't think it does other than the idea that we need to let go of ourselves and realign with that we are all one and that, you know, not this idea that we are all equal, but we are all extraordinary and we are all special and we are all beacons of love and light, every one of us. And we right. all need to recognize that in each other. Right. Well, I mean, that, that ethos in my mind, that where I resonate 
most deeply is that this idea, and you just kind of touched upon it, right? That any human being in need, we need to show up as a community yeah. and help support. Um, I, I don't want us to lose sense of that universal ethos. I think right. that that grounding is really powerful. That's the way, yeah. Um, in some respects, we've put out promises as a country and we haven't lived up to those promises. Like sure. I said, ultimately it's about action. Yeah. Um, but these debates are like, they're, they're corrosive in mm -hmm. our society, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're really at an age of division. I, I've never experienced this before in my short lifetime in this, in this lifetime, yeah, yeah. so to speak. And I struggle for how to write the right way to engage either politically or socially or mentally or spiritually. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I spend more time praying, for example, than I do out with, uh, at the soup kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's my particular path or if, if, you know, we're just, don't quite have the infrastructure available to us to, yeah. um, to better serve each other as mm -hmm. part of a community. You know, if my, if my, uh, if I've had a focus, it's really an understanding that these internal layers of development are so important, mm -hmm. right? Like this is work we're doing right now. Yeah. And this might not feel like we're feeding the world, but the world is starving for a spiritual nourishment. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I, I do see this as a mitzvah, so to speak, mm -hmm. an act of loving, yeah. loving kindness and goodwill. Um, and, I, and I know there's a balance there, right? Between the physical action and the mental or emotional inquiry. Um, but how do you, let me ask you this between the IQ and the EQ, where, where does your, where, where do you feel more comfortable? Well, I mean, I think I, 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 it's like they're kind of extremes, um, but there's a, a balance in them. Um, and I, you know, historically feel more comfortable in the IQ. And as of late, I'm beginning to feel a little more comfortable in the EQ. You know, you're talking about how did we solve these problems? You know, when you get into the, the specifics, I don't know, but I do know that it's going to take compassion you know, that's the way. And that's, you know, speaking from the EQ, if we all truly embody compassion, then there's no, then there would be no reason to be divisive. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that's kind of answering that question of politics again, but, I, but I, this was actually more a personal question, which is, yeah. you know, the EQ, you know, you said you, you had a hard time accessing the emotional realm mm -hmm. at certain periods of your growth and development. Right. Whereas as you went to the mental sphere, right, which in some respects, the masculine goes to the mental sphere for es yep. escape. I was curious to know, like, do you feel more comfortable in one area than the other? Do you find that there's a way to balance those together? Um, what is, what, how do we resolve these eternal debates between the masculine, the feminine and the, and, um, the, the head and the heart. I feel comfortable with both of them. It's about the balance. So I think the way to resolve the debate is recognize where the imbalance is mm. and compensate with the opposite. Right. Right. That's a really great, um, spiritual practice, right? Yeah. Do the opposite, right? Like if you're comfortable in one area, mm -hmm. um, do the, do the thing you're least comfortable with. Right. Right. Bring that opposing energy as a, as a counterbalance, right? and see what happens. Um, Matt Kahn, who's a, a great spiritual teacher. He's got a, a big following on YouTube. I've seen him speak before. Yep. He, he uses that as an, as a practice. Mm -hmm. and, and in some respects, you could say this is a tantric practice, right? Because right. About surrendering. It's about surrendering, but it's also about energetic polarities mm. and using polarity of opposites in order to create balance. Right. And I, I want to bring this idea back to this question of 
you know, these ideological debates in our society, the black lives matter versus the all lives matter, or who knows? I mean, you could reframe that debate a thousand ways, right? Yeah. How can we introduce an opposing energy into this dilemma, into this debate to help us resolve the debate? Hmm. I mean, it would have to be about love and unconditional love. And, you know, it's not about who matters, you know, no lives matter. Okay. No lives matter. All yeah. right. Okay. I mean, now, maybe that's the true opposite there. That's the opposite. Okay. Yeah. So what does no lives matter mean? I mean, why is that? I mean, it's, it's, a. Uh... yeah, I mean, well, it's true selflessness, you know, it's the, everybody stop talking about yourself for a second mm. and just listen. And when you listen, then you'll realize that it's not about you right now. It's the other who is hurt and that they, they need help and they need to be responded to and they need love, right? Because they're hungry to go back to the 35th gene key. Mm. And they're using, we're using all these different things to fill our hunger. But the only, you know, then, okay, great. You know, you, you, you've, did some destruction, you know, there was a riot, let's say, and, uh, you know, you got that release out and, oh, it feels good for a second, but it's not going to last, right? Right. Then you're going to be hungry again, but there is a way to satiate your hunger. Right. It's love. I like this no lives matter thing because when I, when I think about it, even for a moment, I'm thrown in the, to this perspective of how impossible it is to live as an island in this world, Mm -hmm. right? Like the, we need each other for food. We need each other for resources. We need each other for emotional support. We need each other for fun and activity and playing. We are, it is so impossible to be an island. Right. Um, no lives matter is an impossible inquiry, right? It, yeah. it runs, it counterbalances this core ethos inside of ourselves to, to um, care for one another and to participate in a game of exploration together. Um, how do you, again, kind of speaking to that eight-year-old self, how would you, how would you speak to Max, the eight-year-old along these lines of inquiry, this emotional, uh, realm? What would you say to, to Max, the eight-year-old that was just beginning to emerge out of the, the confines of, of childhood into that, uh, you know, emotional awareness? Um, continue to listen to your heart you know that there is that there isn't a separation between your heart and your mind Mm. um that you'd probably forget that as you begin to move towards the realm of the mind i mean that's very much what happens during that second uh you know seven year phase right i mean one thing that uh richard rudd talks about is um rudolf steiner and uh, the steiner method and you know they talk about the um how at the age of nine is about when they call it the crossing the Rubicon. But this idea that about the age of nine is when children begin to transition away from experiencing oneness with the world Mm. and they begin to develop their ego Mm. and their sense of I. Um, And it's, that's kind of a transition away from the heart and towards the mind, which then makes sense because from ages uh, seven or excuse me, 14 to 21 is really about the mental development. Right. So it'd be, don't forget the heart, you know, don't forget the whole, don't forget the oneness. All right. Because we started with the breathing exercise, I want to bring it back full circle and do some breathing again. 
um, you know, especially with all these racially charged and sensitive issues. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to our listeners. Like I don't have the answers to these questions, but I love two of us. I I love putting the questions out there. And I also love that there's, there's a lot of conflict and discord right now, but there is also a harmonious space in which we are all breathing Mm -hmm. together. And when we tune into that space, I feel like the questions untangle a little bit. So if we could, yes, let's breathe together for a second. Let's conspire for a better world. May all beings be blessed. Yeah, blessings.